morning. I'm Pastor Tom, and I'm out here because I'm looking for some kids to help me out today. If you've got kids like kindergarten and up, just come on up and sit on the stage with me up here. Like kindergarten up to third or fourth grade, just come on and fill the stage up here. There wasn't room for me first hour, so keep coming. Just come on up here and have a seat somewhere and face this way and... Yeah, just get where you can see so I can look you in the eye. Your parents are going to be really distracting. So you guys want to turn around and look at me? I'm right here. I know you don't know where that voice is coming from, but but I'm right here, actually. So cool. Yeah, come on up. Anybody else? Elizabeth, you want to come up? Oh, yeah, you're like in your 20s, huh? Sorry. Okay. I thought this would be your day to come up and join me, so... So um, today we're talking about um, Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, there's more room up here if you want to come right up here. So I want you guys to help me answer some of the questions so the adults will understand it better, okay? Because sometimes they fall asleep if I talk too long, and so I think if you guys are up here, they're going to pay attention. One, they're worried about what you're going to say about them, and two, they're curious what you've been observing about their lives and so now people are starting to sweat even more even though you don't know what i'm talking about they do that's why they're laughing it's nervous laughter so i want to um i I brought this with me and i'm wondering if you look at this if anybody can tell me what this is and what it's for raise your hand and i'll call on somebody here in a minute so if you see this yeah i bet you know yeah okay it's having a wedding. Wow. Okay. Does this anybody have a different answer? Yes. It's rubber duckies for sure. So you think these are for a bath? Yes. For who? People that live in Eugene. No. People that have a big O on their sweatshirt. No? Okay. Well, somebody told me that these are what they put on their wedding cakes in Eugene. Yeah. I don't know. if You think? Okay. So are you ready to get married? I I might. No? Okay. All right. We'll put that right there for a minute. So, um, so, So here's a picture of some people that were in a wedding once. We'll just get that going up there. And um, so let me ask you, here's the next question. Ready? What is a wedding for? Uh, raise your hands and I'll call on you. Okay. To get married, okay. A celebration, good. Get married. Anybody have a different answer? What is a wedding for? Okay. I got to tell you, first hour, this guy that sat right in the middle, he said, a wedding is for two people to get married so they can have kids to play with. Okay, so I thought that was a pretty good idea. Okay, so tell me, what are some things that happen at a wedding? Raise your hand if you have an answer. Yes. Um, people eat cake. People eat cake. Here's a picture of that. Okay. Who else? What else? Sometimes people get their long, boring speech. Ooh, a long, yeah, sometimes that happens. <laughs> Trying to move fast as I can here. What? What else happens at a wedding? They put their rings on. They put their rings on. Good. You know what those are for? 
Engagement rings, okay. Yes. Okay, all right. Don't eat too much stuff at the wedding. Okay, yes. Kit. Oh, did you catch that? Kissing and lots of kids feeling like they're going to throw up because of the kissing. Okay. Flowers and what? Oh, they feed each other cake. Okay, good. And flowers. Yes. Awesome. That's cool. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Next question. Um, why? You ready? Why do people get married? Raise your hand if you have an answer. Why do people get married? Let's start over here. Okay, they like each other. So they can live together and be happy. Live together and be happy together. So they can have kids. So they can keep the human race running. Yes, a command from <laughs> all the way back in Genesis. Yeah, populate the earth. Okay. Yes. So they can buy a house together. Okay, why else do people get married? Yes. To show their love to each other. To show their love to each other. Do you have another one? Uh, Why do people get married? To live in a new home. Okay. So let's talk about this one. Tell me what yours was one more time. Uh, to, show to show each other love. Okay. So how do you show someone love? Anybody have some ideas? I bet you can come up with at least three or four. Okay. How do you show someone love? You get married. Okay. Throw cake in their face. All right. How many of how many of you had that success with that showing love? Yes. How do you okay? How do you show love? Sorry. Be nice. Okay. Doing kind things. How do you show love? What were you thinking? I'll come back to you. Yeah. Saying I love you. That's good. Okay. Okay, buying a necklace and what? Kissing each other. All right. Caring to each other. Did you have one, Noah? Can you translate for me, Ryan? Wow, I don't understand that one at all. Have they been learning things from you, Ryan? Okay. All right. Yes. How do you show love for each other? What's that? Hug them. Okay. Throw a birthday party for them? Okay. You got yours now? Okay. So, so you can have your grandma. You can stay at your grandma's house so they can go out on a honeymoon or a date. Awesome. Yes? Out and eat dinner together. Awesome. Is that when you have people like your grandparents come over and watch you so they can go out to dinner? You have people that do that? Okay. Yes. Okay. 
how do you how do you show love for each other when you get married? Yes. Okay. I'll give you one more chance, Noah. Keep it nice. No more bloody noses. Okay, I'll come back to you. Yes. Shh, hang on. Yes. Care for them. Okay. Okay. Help me out with that. What did he say? So what did that have to do with loving somebody? Okay, me neither. All right. So um, here's, here's a hard question. You probably haven't thought about this a whole lot. What kind of a person would you like to marry? Think about that for a minute. Oh. Wow, that was fast. You've been thinking about this? Okay, you got an answer though? Okay, okay, shh, let's listen. Yes, Mr. Wright? A girl, okay, all right. That's a good start. It's a good start. Do you see any candidates up here? No, definitely not. Okay, all right, yes. Shh, what kind of person would you like to marry? A Christian boy? Okay, I got you. Yeah, someone call him Mr. Right. I don't know. Okay, here we go. What what kind of person would you like to marry? Okay, so a Christian guy who would not tease our kids a lot, but just a little to be funny. Yes. Um, what kind of person would you like to marry? Somebody who's nice and believes in God. Nice and believes in God, yes. Um, I would like to marry a husband. A husband, okay. Caring, okay. What kind of person would you like to marry? A weird person. A weird person. <laughs> I think he already left. Okay, what kind of, what, sorry, I'm sorry. He's my neighbor, I think I owe him big time now. All right, um, what kind of person would you like to marry? A boy and a girl. A boy and a girl? Okay, that sounds pretty busy. What kind of person would you like to marry? A girl. A girl. What? Why? Because girls are nicer, right? Is that what you're going to say? Okay. All right, guys. You have a challenge before you. Um, So let's keep moving here. Um, Today, part of our talk is about a bride and a groom. Okay? We're going to talk about a bride and a groom. And so let me read you this verse here. It says, uh, Just as a young man commits himself to his bride then God will rejoice over you as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. So it's saying that a groom is really excited to meet his bride and God rejoices. He's really excited over us just like a groom is over his bride. So in our story... um, 
We're going to hear about some happy people. So I, I've skipped one question. Who do you think is the happiest person in the wedding? The bride or the groom? I'm just curious. Who do you think is the happiest person? God. Okay. You think the girl? Somebody says a girl. Yeah. Both. Okay. Anybody else? Does she look happier? Let's see how this one looks. See if this helps us. I, Andrew Paul Daniel Ingstrom. Do take Melissa Renee Warren. Do take Melissa Renee Warren. To be my lawfully wedded wife. To be my waff- lawfully <laughs> and pancakey. <laughs> I've been scared of this all my life. happier in that video the woman yeah okay so here's the next question in in the wedding that we're going to talk about today there's a there's a groom there's a groom and a bride the groom is jesus who do you think the bride is us Oh, hey, very good. Well, you know, that's the answer. Um, the answer is us. Okay, so I'll get to that in one more minute. Um, yeah. This is it. Okay, that picture of the bride of Christ. This is a drawing somebody, a painting somebody made of, of this wedding. Jesus is the groom and the bride is all of the people who love him and follow him. And believe in him. Okay? So there's this idea that just just like in a wedding that you guys are talking about, there's a groom and a bride, that Jesus is going to be like the groom and all of his people called the church are going to be the bride. Okay? Now, here's a big question. There's something that Jesus did for all of his people, for all of his church. Does anybody know what it was? He died on the cross. Exactly right. So we call that a sacrifice. Do you think Jesus wanted to die? Okay. He even asked God if there was some other way, if he could take that other way. But then he said, but I'll obey you. Okay. So, yeah. So Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And and that's an important thing to remember because there's going to be a comparison for a groom and for a bride in our story in Ephesians today. And it has to do first with what Jesus did. He sacrificed his life. So a sacrifice, really quick, so you guys understand it. It's like when you go to the frozen yogurt place and you're with your brother or your sister and you're the only one that has money and you both really want a frozen yogurt, a sacrifice would be when you buy the frozen yogurt with your money and you give it to your brother or your sister. That's a sacrifice because you really wanted it. So when you think about sacrificing, it's also a way to serve somebody is by sacrificing for them. And that's what Jesus did. He sacrificed his life for all of us, his church and his bride. Okay. Now, one more word I want to give you before we go. It's a favor. 
Okay? Sometimes you say, hey, could you do me a favor? It's not that kind. A favor is like a party favor. When you go sometimes to a wedding, there's something that you get that sits on the table. And you haven't done anything to earn it, but somebody wanted to give it to you. So as you go back to your seats today, I'm going to give you guys a favor too. So you'll see three people pop up and they'll have a bag of fruit snacks for you as you're going back. Thanks very much for helping me today. Let's give them a big hand. That's for Jason. So as the kids are going back to their um, chairs, today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse 21. And I did that part ahead of time because we want to include the kids in the service. So um, thanks uh, for your patience with that. I think it was probably fun. Probably the least favorite part for me in the first hour was one of the kids said, Hey, I have a question. You look like my grandpa who I'm going to hang out with today. I don't know... (laughs) If I'm ever going to do that again, first hour. So, um, so because we want the kids to be able to sit through this, I'm going to abbreviate this a little bit this morning. And so, basically, this is one of the most self-explanatory passages in our study of Ephesians. And so, I'm going to just give you some hints and really let you figure it out um, as we read through it one time. I'll come back and I'll actually spell out some of the responsibilities that we see in here. And there'll be some room for you to think about what we've said and figure out how that role is going to impact you. Um, So let's pray and we'll get into it. God, thank you so much for um, kids. Um, Thank you that we are all your dearly loved children and you would like to hear from us. And uh, Father, it's been great to have the opportunity to hear from kids today. And what we find out from them is, like we said last week, is they're always watching and listening to see what we do. And just last week, God, as we learned that, we need to be imitators of you as dearly loved children. Let us again reconsider um, how we can do that, not just in our actions, but how we can imitate you in our relationships, how we can please you in our relationships as we are all um, in Christ who have believed in and decided to follow after you. So give us insight into what we should do when we leave today to please you in our relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Ephesians 5.21. I'm just going to read through this uh, to 6.9. The first order is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that's kind of going to be an overarching uh, principle for us today. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Uh, Verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. And now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word 
and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Verse 28, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church, Paul says. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. All right, kids, here's the verse that has your name in it. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And the promise is that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Back to fathers. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Uh, six five. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters... Treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no favoritism with him. So uh, this week, in Christ, this is the model for relationships. And there's one thing that's the same for everybody. Everyone in some way should, uh, should submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So everyone is directly responsible to God for themselves in all relationships. Everyone is directly responsible to God for themselves in all relationships. I'm going to skip over to uh, one of Paul's other letters in Galatians chapter 6, uh, 4 and 5, and talk about this principle, which I think we can take in context here because... Um, this is in Paul's entire teaching. He talks about this responsibility that we're being pointed out to today. Um, 6, 4, and 5 says, Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Verse 5 says, For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Pay careful attention to your own work. And really, aren't we always concerned about what everybody else is doing? Well, why do they get to do this? Why do they get to do that? How come they got away with that? Pay attention to your own work, and that's where you'll get the satisfaction of a job well done. Each of us is responsible for our own conduct before God. And I think before he begins to say, do this, do that, treat this person this way and that way, 
he's not asking us to be concerned about what the other person is doing, only what our actions and what our attitude are in these relationships. So it's all about responsibility. Responsibility is when I do what I'm responsible for. It's pretty simple. Responsibility is when I do what I'm responsible for. The opposite of that is irresponsibility. Maybe you want to write this definition down in case you're not sure. Irresponsibility is when I don't take responsibility for the things I'm responsible for. Probably already knew that, right? Irresponsibility today in relationships always causes conflicts. And God doesn't want us to be about conflicts. He brings us peace with himself through the blood of Jesus Christ. He wants us to be at peace with each other. He wants us as a church to be unified. And now he wants us to be unified in our relationships with one another. So irresponsibility in relationships always brings conflict. Anytime a person acts irresponsibly, someone has to come along after them and shoulder their responsibility. When I act irresponsibly, I'm expecting other people who aren't responsible for me to carry the burden of the mess that I made. And as Paul talks about our responsibility in relationships, he asks us to keep Jesus in mind. So last week, be imitators of God. Now, keep Jesus in mind because many things will be compared to what he did as our example. Jesus was the best example, for instance, of how to love others by serving and by sacrifice. Jesus was the best example of how to be obedient and submissive to a father, particularly when he didn't want to die. And he said, hey, if there's any other way, please take this cup from me. But then submitted by saying, not my will, but yours. And he went to the cross for us. Jesus was the best example of how to do God's will in relationship to others. So here's the short list of our responsibilities based on this passage. I've just extracted them out into the roles and how these roles play out when we're in Christ. So as we talk about this, find your role or your roles and follow the instructions. If you forgot the instructions, they're right there in your Bible after the word that fits you. Husband, father, wife, children, uh, master, servant. And for our purposes today, we're going to talk about the slaves and the masters as employees, employees, employers and employees in their day that's kind of what the situation was is you would work for somebody with more money you didn't have enough money and so you would serve them be a servant or a slave per se and work for them uh, for money and god is concerned about those relationships as well and at the end of this we'll see why because it's easy for us to go okay i know what he says but we got to take that one step further. Not, I don't just need to know what he says. I need to understand. You know, back to when I was talking about uh, kids last week, and we say uh, to their question, we say no, and they say why, and we say because I said so. Um, that doesn't help them understand. So we need to find out why by digging a little bit deeper. We know what the command is. We just read it, but why? Okay, and we'll get to the why at the very end. Uh, after we understand the why, then we actually have to do or execute that responsibility. So um, here we go. Uh, wives, 
submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Notice what's missing. What's missing from that is not this. Wives, submit to your husbands only when they love you like Jesus did. It doesn't say that. Uh, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Again, what's, what's missing is it doesn't say love her like Christ only when she submits. Husbands, you must also love his, husbands must also love his wife as he loves himself. The wife must respect her husband. Again, it doesn't say only when he loves you like Jesus. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for it is right. And it comes with a promise and things will go well for you and you'll have a long life. So children, if you're still tuned in with me this morning, if you want to find out if this is true, when you get home today and your parents ask you to do something, say no and don't do it. And watch and see if it goes well for you. Okay? If it doesn't, then God was probably right when he had Paul insert this, obey your parents so it will go well for you. Okay? And, and then he adds this promise at the end. It's like a little bonus to being obedient is you will live a long life. Do you know why that is? It's because your parents have been here a lot longer than you. They have a lot more experience. Hopefully they've started to learn about how God wants them to bring you up. And they love you. So if someone has more experience and at this time in your life they know what's best for you and they love you, to obey them will give you a longer life. Because sometimes if you don't obey them when they say don't play in the street, it's over. You know, like when I was young, my mom said, you can't cross the street. But I got mad and I tried to run away from home. I had all my stuff packed on a little stick in a scarf on the back of my thing, and I'm just making laps around the block. And finally she comes out, she goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm running away from home. We haven't gotten very far, have you? And I said, no, because you told me not to cross the street. (laughs) So children, obey your parents. They love you. They do know at at this point in your life what's best for you, probably because they did it and failed, and now they know they don't want you to get hurt in the same way. So it will help you to live a longer life. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. I gave you a good example of that last week. Again, it's no because I said so. You know, if you'll just take the time, dads, to come up with a real reason. It's You know you don't have one because you're just too busy and you don't want to think about it. But really, I think you owe an explanation to your kids. I mean, once you've given them a a reason and, and they've countered and maybe given you a better reason why you should... Do you still want to say no, you know, or do you want them to begin to take responsibility for themselves? So just, I'm saying, give them a little bit more time, listen and discuss rather than just say no all the time. Um, Slaves, employees, workers, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. And masters, employers, bosses, treat your slaves and your employees in the same way, okay? So these uh, relationships are in the context of people who have decided to follow Christ. And here's the big thing. Like I said earlier, we know the kids are always watching. Otherwise, where would they get 
all of these awesome answers they have from observing and watching and listening, okay? Well, it's not just kids. Really, we're all out there watching and observing and learning. And so if we can live obedient to these commands in relationships that God has given us, then the way we respond to each other in these relationships has the power to draw people to Jesus. Because if you think about it, what he's trying to say is, hey, everybody else in the world does whatever they want. They don't get along, they fight, they do this and they do that. And what kind of an example is that of Christ? Here's Jesus. He came down, he sacrificed his very life so that all of your sins could be forgiven. And he wants to be the one who demonstrates to you how to do relationships. So if you're saying you're following him and you want to be obedient to him, then in that obedience and relationships, all the people who are observing you, whether it's at work, whether it's your kids at home, whether it's your neighbors, whether uh, it's your children and your fathers, your wives observing a husband, whatever the case may be, if you follow these examples of Christ, it's a no-lose situation. Because each of us has our own responsibility in these relationships. And we know that if we're thinking about everybody else's responsibility, it's just going to continue to cause conflict. Okay, And I realize that sometimes when we obey and, and, and treat people the way he asks us to in these relationships, we don't see overnight success. But there's a principle in Galatians. It's, it's what we sow, we reap, for better or for worse. In time, it's going to help things to work out. So we're responsible to do what God asks us to do, even if the other person doesn't. And husbands, sorry to say today, you have the biggest responsibility. Because it says, husbands, love your wives just like Jesus. And as we've said now several times, what Jesus did and what he did for his bride, that's the way God wants us to treat our bride. And my guess is if we loved our wives in that way, the rest of this would fall in place. As fathers, husbands, fathers, to raise your kids in the training and instruction of the Lord is also challenging and difficult. So we'd best be learning about what that looks like. He'll give us one more tool in just a minute. And I got to throw this in, moms, unfortunately, in today's world, you may be filling this role of the father because some fathers are gone for any number of reasons. They're not in the relationship. You've got the child or the kids, and this is going to fall on you. Um, I heard a statistic that uh, a year ago, 40% of the kids born in the United States were born to single moms. I think maybe it's an issue of responsibility. So in the absence of a father, sometimes this training a kid and the instruction of the Lord will fall on you, and it's not always easy. There can be some obstacles. Here's maybe a suggestion for moms that will work in bringing up their kids. Hey, Mom, I'm trying to write this stupid college essay question, and I really don't even know where okay, to start. Okay, what's the question? Tell me. What's the biggest obstacle you've ever had to overcome? Didn't my third grade teacher say I had, like, ADD or something? Oh, no, honey. She said you couldn't ADD, and she put it that way because she also knew you couldn't S-P-E-L-L. Wait, slow down. Oh, I can't do this. Oh, 
Why are you so frustrated? Because I've never had any obstacles to overcome. Oh, honey, that's not true. Really, name one. Well, you're lactose intolerant. Oh, dear college, cheese makes me gassy. See you in September. Sweetie, you're not really starting your essays, dear college, are you? What difference does it make? I've lived a boring, sheltered, pathetic life. I am sorry we have made things too easy and comfortable for you. Oh, you should be. It is all your fault. You have shielded me from everything interesting and dangerous. You are blaming me because I kept you from getting hurt. Gabby's mom's a hoarder. That essay practically writes itself. Maybe it is our fault. But did you ever consider there's a reason? What are you talking about? There's a reason why we were so easy on you. I don't understand. Oh, honey, you're old enough now. Old enough for what? The truth. Okay, come on. Gotta show you something. I'm gonna go for a ride. Mom, just tell me. You are my mom, right? Oh, yeah. This is it. This is what? This. I, I can't do this. I can't get out of the car. I'm sorry. I'm too embarrassed. Would you just tell me what's going on? Okay. I, I, I want you to go read what's carved on that tree. Mom, you're freaking me out. Just do it. Do it, Haley. How was your day? I had no money, no cell phone. You're welcome. What? I listened to you. I stopped coddling you. And look, you overcame an obstacle. Oh, yeah, I did. I grew up normal despite my crazy mom. Well, that sounds like the beginning of a great essay. Dear college. Oh, honey, if you get stuck, let me know, and I'll make you sleep out in the yard. You're psychotic! You spell check. So God never said it would be easy, but what he is telling us is if we live like we're in Christ, it will be better and there will be a payoff in time. And God has given us, as I said earlier, a special ingredient to accomplish what we're each responsible for, and that is grace. Paul talks about it over 10 times in the book of Ephesians. Defined, I'd say this is a common definition we hear, grace is getting something you don't deserve and haven't earned, like unmerited favor. And, and this is like this little favor we give out to the kids today. They didn't do anything to earn that. It was just given to them as a gift. And we've been given this by God. Sometimes grace is like an allowance. Sometimes grace is room for failure and understanding when we're not perfect and when we don't imitate God perfectly. He extends grace to us. A famous singer once said this about grace. He said, grace takes the blame. It covers the shame. It removes the stain. It's a thought that changed the world. 
what once was hurt, what once was friction, what left a mark no longer stings because grace makes beauty out of ugly things. Grace finds beauty in everything. And here's my top five grace quotes from Ephesians chapter one, verse two. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, verse 8. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. 3.2. Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that he was given to me for you. 3.8. Although I, Paul, am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me. And 4.7, to teach one of us grace has been given as Christ, oh, sorry, to each one of us grace has been given as apportioned from Christ. So with this grace, God asks us then to be imitators of him as dearly loved children and to extend grace this week in our relationships just like our Heavenly Father does for us. So in closing, here's something that we really need to get. It's, I think it's the first step in learning the difference between God's job and our job. Because many times we're trying to do his job for him when he's already given us enough responsibility to take care of ourselves. So we need to understand that God's part is to fix and change or to fix and to transform. Our part is to be obedient to him, to imitate the grace that he extends to us, to love, to serve, and to help equip others to be all they can be in Christ, including our own family, and then depend on him to do the fixing and the changing. Because if we can just focus on our responsibility, we'll have plenty to keep up with. Allow him to take care of the rest. Let's pray. God, thank you. Um, for how you've loved us, how you've given us the most awesome example in your son, in relationships, in sacrifice, in serving. And I pray that we would consider that example as we move into our own relationships with the people we live closest to, the people we're with the most. Help us to know and understand and execute our responsibility and let you worry about the others and let them worry about themselves. And no matter what anybody else does, help us to do what's right as unto you so that we can have this promise of uh, a long life, so that we can have the payoff of reaping the good that we've been sowing by being responsible ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.